We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC and Bet Online. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by Mr. Sean Siegel, my co-host here, my partner in crime on the Rotoviz Overtime podcast. But that's not all, folks. I teased it on Twitter this week. Uh, we are having a best ball week here at Rotoviz Overtime, and who else to join us than? I guess nearly Mr. Best Ball himself. We could start calling him at this stage. It's Mike Beers. You can follow on Twitter at Beerswater. Uh, we're going to have two shows this week. Uh, Mike's uh, kind enough to jump on for both shows. We're covering everything Best Ball related. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know Mike, um, I don't know how they wouldn't at this point, but he is covering uh, NFL data and analytics with us over at Rotoviz and does an absolutely tremendous job. So I guess it would be uh rude not to uh get get the guest thoughts first uh mike welcome aboard the show thanks very much for joining us uh yeah it's great to be on the show um it's something i've wanted to do for a while i'm excited to uh talk best ball obviously that's that's my thing and um yeah and um and i'd love to pick sean's brain on on air as well so it's gonna be fun yeah it's gonna it's gonna be awesome and uh as always that's basically for anyone listening to the show that's basically what i do on a weekly basis is try and pick sean's brain and see see what i can gain from that for myself but we'll be doing that from both yourself and sean today so sean exciting best ball week here i guess it might be the inaugural best ball week maybe we'll uh be doing this hopefully yearly uh and uh in this case uh, obviously when mike on is going to be going to be an awesome show yeah, this should be fantastic because, you know, you get guests on, everybody in the fantasy community is awesome. You love to have the people 
that said, there still aren't that many people who really live up to the legend or have a legend worth living up to. Mike is one of those guys. Uh, this week, you know, we just started the new MFL 10 of Death 7 that Pat Thorman runs. We've got that in motion. We can discuss that a little bit on the show today. Obviously, we've got a lot of FFPC best ball to talk about. And let's jump right in with that. Mike, we asked you to provide the FFPC stat attack for today's show. And I know you've got something best ball related for us. And uh, interested to hear some specific best ball FFPC stats right here. Uh, yeah, so for our FFPC stat attack, um, my stats are about drafting quarterbacks in these drafts. Um, this is about the uh, the classic, not the super flex version. But uh, looking at win rates for uh, quarterback picks, and uh, you know, we talk about waiting on quarterback, um, not just us, but uh, it's a pretty common thing. Um, I was looking at the win rates for quarterbacks with an ADP in the first seven rounds of the draft. Um, over the past three years at FFPC. And there are 16 of them. Um, and only four of them generated an above average win rate across their teams. Um, so that means if you were taking a quarterback in those first seven rounds over the last three years, there's a 75% chance that you were uh, sort of starting from behind. And um, only two of them, on top of that, only two of those 16 broke 10% win rate, which is just barely above average. And um, consider what you need to kind of be profitable in these drafts. Um, while seven of them, almost half were below 6%, they were really handicapping their team. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about more on roster construction and why that's happening, but um, it's a really bad skew. I mean, the highest win rate was Russell Wilson three years ago. And, uh, you know, he hit 15%, which, w- which is a good number. It's a very good number, but it's not the kind of thing that makes it worth, um, just doesn't happen often enough. It's not a high enough win rate. It's worth the uh, pretty consistent downside of taking those picks and missing out on the other players at uh, running back, wide receiver, and tight end who really do give you some uh, impressive upside. Yeah, and as, as we mentioned, we'll be diving into roster construction. A lot of it will be FFPC and basketball related because that's where we all play our basketball. But the FFPC, for those who don't know, is the home of the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty Basketball and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head over to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And, of course, we'll be really highlighting it in today's show with the creator of a lot of those tools, but wrote of his specifically designed tools for FFPC domination over on the website as well. So as Sean hinted to in the intro, uh, Mike is kind of a, a legend here in the best ball community and the tools are on the platform. But over on the site would be the FFPC best ball command center, the FFPC exposures and ADP dashboard, the roster construction explorer. Uh, also, we have Fanball and their ADP uh, and Fanball roster construction explorer as well. The player win rates as part of that stat as well. Mike, you provided the FFP stat attack for today's show, plus uh, or that puts us in the driver's seat for the Best Ball Command Center. What does this tool allow you to do, and why will it help our listeners and, of course, the uh, Rotovis subscribers to dominate their FFPC leagues? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, the FFPC Command Center is probably my favorite tool to use. Um, you know, I've built several for Rotoviz over the past year and a half. Um, and this one for, you know, being in your draft, helping you make decisions is really, I mean, the idea um, behind it was to have everything in front of me 
that I might want to know before making a pick. And um, you can go to the, the FFPC command center. You put in the um, email address or username that you use at FFPC, and it will automatically load any drafts that are um, currently underway, right? Uh, so if, if I put it in right now, uh, I have three leagues uh, that where I'm drafting best ball teams, and it tells me um, sort of in order how many picks away I am on those. And then it'll pull up information on the um, the one that's uh, closest. You know, if I'm on the clock, it'll pull that up right away. Um, and the, the information there is, I mean, it's just everything. It's, uh, it's who's on my roster. It's, um, you know, the recent picks. Um, but then it's got the available player pool. Uh, but not just the available player pool like you would see in the FFPC draft room. Uh, we also have um, the ADP is uh, is much more sort of fresh. Um, you know, it defaults to the past week and a half, but you can uh, you can even look at just the past few days if you want. Um, but then beyond that, it uh, it'll import your exposure. So if you're someone like me who does a lot of these drafts, um, you might want to know. Uh, say you know you love uh, Jared Cook, and um, you've got him in eighty percent of your drafts so far. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that can happen to people sometimes just without even noticing it. Right. And I, I don't like to have that much exposure to a guy across all my teams, even if I really like him. It's a nice tiebreaker. Um, and it'll show me right on the screen here. Hey, you've got 80 percent exposure to Jerry Cook. Um, you know, maybe you should take a different tight end this time. Um, it also uh, includes it's it's not, you know, too scientific, but it gives you the odds that each player will be available at your next pick and also in two picks, uh, which is something I look at quite a bit that uses a combination of ADP and sort of the, uh, the variance in ADP over the, pa- over the time frame you choose. And it tells you, okay, if you pass on a player now, what are the odds you can get them next time? And that, um, that really helps prioritize, um, you know, if you, uh, if there's usually a run in quarterbacks around that time in the draft and you know, these drafts do tend to play out in a pretty similar fashion, uh, it gives a pretty good uh, sense of whether you can get that quarterback uh, next time around if you pass on him now or if you really have to pull the trigger right away. Uh, it also will highlight any bye week problems um, for your defenses, quarterbacks, or uh, kickers, and that, that can be a factor in tight ends. And it's just, there's even a news feed on here. I mean, it's just, it's everything that I want at my fingertips. Um, and if I think of anything new, I just, I add it on. So uh, it's been a fun project. And it's really, uh, it's really probably the most um, useful in-draft tool I, I could imagine. It really is cool. And you get in there, you're working on the draft, you have all of this extra information at your disposal, and specifically the things that you would want to know. As you just mentioned, we focus a lot on roster construction in our articles, on our shows, uh, certainly in the tools. We're going to talk a lot with the Roster Construction Explorer today, how you want to put your teams together. But if you can combine that with what Mike has in the command center and knowing you know, how you're going to get your exposures to work out, who you can get in your next pick. So much of what we do when we're thinking about specifically player selection really is this idea of not just the guy that we're going to pick right now, but looking forward and trying to figure out how that fits with the guy we're going to pick next. This tool is fantastic for that. So if you haven't been on the site, you know, if you're a user, if you're considering subscribing, either way, if you haven't tried that, make sure you get in there and use that. I think it's very difficult to not be profitable if you use that tool uh, together with the Roster Construction Explorer. So 
Speaking of being profitable, speaking of the Roster Construction Explorer, I wanted to start out this show, Mike, with sort of a, a quick hack that I think will let our FFPC listeners be immediately profitable and sort of look at these positions that maybe don't get as much exposure. They're not the big glamour positions. People don't focus on them as much, but really across best ball formats, they can really dictate just how high your floor is before you even start with running back wide receiver, before you even start with your specific player selection. And so uh, let's look at that really quickly here. Many people probably know or suspect that three QB is the best approach at the QB position, that three defense is the best approach on defense, and that three kicker is the best approach at kicker. In each of these cases, that construction is also the most popular among drafters, but something happens if we combine them all together. Now, even though they're all the most popular individually, once you combine them, only about 6,900 out of over 29,000 drafts are using them together, but this construction gives a win rate above 10%. It gives a top six percentage over 57%. Mike, looking at that a little bit more uh in-depth or or taking on those pieces is there anything else that we should know about qb defense uh, kicker tactics in the ffpc uh, before we go on to these more exciting positions one thing i noticed about this was um it really seems to be driven by the uh, the, those those differences that edge um you know the over 10 percent seems to be driven mostly by the defense and the kickers. Um, and I, I love defense and kickers in best ball. It's like you mentioned, it's not the most exciting, but um, my whole approach to these best ball drafts is I, is just finding these small edges and kind of piling them on top of each other. And with kickers and defenses, it's just so easy to execute. You just, you take three of them. Um, and uh, even whether you have most of that um, jump from the, uh, you know, 8.3 being average to over 10%, comes from having three defenses and three kickers. And part of that is because they are, they're cheap. Um, You don't have to pick the earliest ones, um, you know, in order to get the scoring you want. And um, particularly in FFPC, where you have the 28 rounds, uh, you have room for them. I mean, a lot of the guys that people are picking in the last, uh, you know, eight rounds of these drafts are maybe a running back who literally won't touch the ball all year. Or, um, you know, some wide receivers who they're hoping will have one or two good weeks. Whereas your third kicker, your third defense is going to put points in your starting lineup uh, several times a year because they're volatile, sort of unpredictable positions. And um, and and it's not hard to get them. So, uh, you know, I find myself just keeping an eye on how many are left, um, you know, using things like the, the odds available in the command center uh, to make sure that I can get three. Um, another thing that I would add to you know, just saying draft three every time is um, kickers in particular. I think it's very important to get a third one because um, kickers actually get injured, you know? Um, And this is a thing that I think not everyone appreciates. Um, They look at kickers and defenses kind of the same way, but you can, you, you can't lose a defense for the year. You could have a very bad defense that doesn't score a lot of points, uh, but you can lose kickers. Uh, They get cut, they get injured. Uh, It happens every year. So having that third one um, really is also kind of a safety net as well as um, a compiler for your points. So I I prioritize getting a third kicker over getting a third defense, but I almost always uh, come away with three of both. 
Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive betting partner, and you can find them at betonline.ag. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. If you still haven't joined in on the simulated NFL, NBA, or UFC events, they're available 24 7. You can jump in at any time. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madden-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you can find exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag right now and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so we know now how we can get this very high floor, and then we want to build on that with some of our tactics at the exciting positions. Mike, running backs are currently all the rage after a 2019 season where running backs in the dead zone stayed healthy. They scored more points than usual. And in FFPC leagues, obviously, we have this sort of running back orientation anyway. And as a result of these two trends, we have 26 running backs going in the first four rounds of FFPC drafts. By contrast, the roster construction explorer suggests you don't have to approach it this way, in part because those flex positions can be just as easily filled with wide receivers. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting when you go in there and you play with the FFPC roster construction explorer is that you find that you actually have a ton of flexibility in these early rounds. Just to give one example, looking at the last three years, if you select your RB1 in round one and then wait until at least round six for your RB2, then you generate a 9.2% win rate and a 54% top six percentage. Those results aren't as good as what we see in best ball tens, where you actually really need to do it that way. The win rate spikes over 11%. But whereas best ball tens punish a running back heavy approach, FFPC leagues, I would say, are more indifferent. And we can certainly understand that because the 2-2-2 format provides a potential extra starting position for running backs than, say, the 2-3-1. Despite this, one of the other tools that we talk a lot about on the show, which I think is maybe the most useful for me in terms of visualizing, understanding, scoring as we go through ADP, that would be Blair Andrews' Win the Flex tool. It shows very clearly that wide receivers still score more points in the flex range, and that was true even in 2019, which was much more running back heavy than usual. So, Mike, as we get into the this running back heavy element what should we take from these results from the rce are you surprised that the flexibility to play two running backs in the flex doesn't appear to benefit running back heavy constructions or does is the adp inflation balancing that out if you're drafting in 2020 in the ffpc do you like going running back heavy uh, despite a little bit of what we're seeing from the rce here um, so it depends on how you define running back heavy. Um, I do tend to prefer a running back at least in the first or second round, and I often take one with both picks. Um, and but after that is where things you know really fall off for running back, as far as I'm concerned. Even with um, ADP for you know so many running backs going so early this year, I still want to come away with one of them. I mean, if you look at the uh, roster construction explorer for FFPC. Um, you know, if you're getting your RB1 after the second round, um, that actually doesn't work out especially well. Um, 
it lets it, you know, um, filter in a lot of, a lot of, uh, different ways and get to a smaller sample. But, um, the reason I think is that you still have to fill those two starting running back spots. Right. Um, so, but then as soon as you have at least one solid guy in there, the, the win the flex, uh, sort of phenomenon that you described really kicks in. Um, the, especially, uh, it's especially helpful to, you know, to have that anchor running back and then be able to fill the, the wide receiver positions and the flex, um, with a lot of guys from a combination of rounds, sort of three through seven, which, uh, you know, we've referred to, or maybe three through five, we've referred to as the, the running back dead zone. It exists on FFPC as well as MFL tens, but then also late in the draft. Um, that's a great place to, uh, collect a lot of high upside wide receivers. And I think the roster construction explorer, uh, reflects that, you know, sort of the, uh, ideal number of wide receivers is materially higher than in, uh, best ball tens. So I don't think it's a case where, you know, you don't want running backs. I don't think more or less really, um, you don't want to avoid them entirely at the beginning of the draft. That's, that's my perspective, at least, um, you need sort of that anchor for at least one of your positions. And then because you only have to start two, just like in best ball tens, um, you can sort of piece together the second running back spot, but the really hammering those wide receivers who just score more points than the running backs at similar ADPs uh, is really the way to go. And that's how I approach it. So we're going to jump on now to the MFL 10 of death that uh, Sean teased at the start of the show. Um, later on in the week, we're going to have the second part of the best ball series, and we're going to be breaking down some more FFPC tactics in that show as well. But right now, time for a league that uh, gets a lot of talk as well on Twitter, and I know Mike has been talking about it over the last couple of days. So we're going to get some thoughts on the overall process and then some of the picks that the guys have made so far. Sean, between 2015 and 2018, you finished first three times and second once. So you've really been uh, having a command and presence like most leagues are in, but in this league in particular. At last season, Mike, your first appearance, uh, the two of you represented Rotov as well, finishing in third and fourth place. Obviously, the MFL 10 of death is charity league run by pat thorman and follows the fan ball rules mike what slot uh, for drafting did you receive this year and uh, wh- who did you select in, in that first round obviously a lot of emphasis put on the first round picks but um how does that inform then your tactics the rest of the way yeah so i uh, drew the fifth overall pick this time around um i think last year i had the second pick and uh, i was pretty sure the whole way that i would be taking a running back i mean i think I've got a top tier of five guys. Um, so, you know, it was either going to be Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara for me. And um, it and uh, four running backs went with the first four picks. That left me with Kamara. And I, I want to get a guy with that, you know, three down kind of job involved in the passing game, uh, that, that anchor like I was talking about. And, uh, you know, that I, I like to have that first running back as the anchor, um, though that doesn't really determine what's going to happen the rest of the draft. I mean, the uh, what the other players in the league do is really going to shape my next few picks. Um, we're we're now four picks in for me, and um, in the second round, I ended up taking Austin Eckler, who uh, just like Kamara is a, a guy who's going to catch a lot of passes. I think he has tremendous upside. And uh, I had, it was a very interesting sort of situation for me in the third round. Um, I was considering, after taking running backs with my first two picks, uh, doing something that I call a hyper-fragile draft. Um, 
just something I wrote an article about on Rotoviz, uh, I think four years ago now. Uh, but the idea being that you would draft three running backs if you could get three of the top 15 with your first three picks and then just ride with those three, not take any more, load up on wide receivers, get a high floor at tight end and quarterback, and uh, kind of just hope your guys stay healthy, hence the uh, name Hyperfragile. But what ended up happening was around the uh, two, three turn, uh, the last four of the potential guys I might have done it with for my third running back, um, Jacobs, um, CEH, Melvin Gordon, and maybe Fournette, I wasn't sure about him. They all came off the board, and I was kind of left in a weird spot. Uh, normally, I would go after a wide receiver there, but um, with this group, uh, wide receivers are pretty popular, and uh, a lot of my favorite guys are already gone. And I ended up taking uh, Mark Andrews, uh, probably a full round ahead of his ADP for uh, best ball 10s or MFL 10s. And um, I just felt like the guys, you know, the wide receivers who were left were mostly guys that I think are great wide receiver twos. Um, I think there's a pretty large tier of players I feel like are great wide receiver twos this year. Um, and they fit into that running back dead zone, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, and I didn't want to take the first of those, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to get my wide receiver one guy, uh, and I thought I could lock up who I think is, um, pretty safely the third best tight end here and it should allow me to run, run with only two tight ends for my team, um, get more wide receivers. And I, I got Robert Woods, who I love as uh, like I said, a very strong wide receiver too as my wide receiver one in round four. And I expect to add several more wide receivers the next few rounds. So it's, it's working out for me. Um, but you know, there's a long way to go. Well, Micah has mentioned there one of the things he did to throw off my uh, particular draft approach. So I had the, the nine slot here and I think this is definitely not an ideal starting position. Uh, one of the things Mike was discussing with me yesterday is the sort of overall win rates per draft slot. And once you get out of that top five range that Mike is in, uh, it really falls off. And so that uh, puts you in a position where I think you have to look at things from perhaps a different perspective. We've written a lot on the show in the last year where you want to have that running back one in the first round, and then you want to draft a lot of wide receivers, that that's the construction that will give you the most safety year to year it's more consistent uh, regardless of what happens at the running back and wide receiver positions overall and yet it gives you a very very high ceiling being outside this range of these top running backs i don't want to chase those points i don't want to take a running back and simply be way behind starting things off also, I wanted to go back and really use zero running back again, which was the tactic that had allowed me to get those wins in this league previously. So you pull up the roster construction explorer and you try and figure out, okay, well, what can we do to still have a lot of upside if we have to start with wide receiver? Now, there are a couple of things here. A couple of days ago, I published an article looking at the best two round starts and over the last three years, the two-round start with the best top six percentage is actually wide receiver tight end, which I think would be very surprising to people. We assume that running back wide receiver or running back running back are probably the best starts. Now, when we're looking at that, obviously, anytime you throw the tight end into the mix, you're not necessarily talking about these global trends so much as specific players who managed to have good seasons or didn't. 
you know, we're talking about just a handful of those guys. And so we want to be a little bit skeptical of that. But when I was looking at that, I had this opportunity to take one of these big time wide receivers in the first round and then come back and get Kittle or Kelsey in the second round. And Mike, when I didn't do that, you told me that you were surprised. Yeah, I, I mean, I, frankly, I was shocked. I, um, I, I was certain you were going to take him. It's something we've talked about quite a bit, the early tight ends. And um, they were both there for you on the board. I did have a sense that if I took Andrews on the way back, you weren't going to be happy about it. Um, I know he's a guy you like, um, but I figured Ertz might be the next pick. So but you passed on Ertz in the third round as well. Um, you managed to get him in the fourth round. So uh, what was the... So why did you pass on Kelsey and Kittle with that second round after, I mean, having just done that analysis, did you, were you just confident that Andrews would come back? Yeah. So I may have miscalculated here in terms of having Mike in the draft with me, knowing just how important that tight end was going to be him not having an option really of, of Kittle or Kelsey, those guys being gone in the second round there. Andrews has an ADP and you can go and you can check this out in the fanball exposure is an ADP tool. He's got an ADP early in the fifth round. And so my thought, take him in the third round there. You have a guy with insane upside, especially in the best ball format where maybe those low volume games can be swallowed up by a different player in your lineup. And again, it's important not to put too much emphasis on this, but tight ends selected in the third round even better win rate than those selected in the second what i definitely wanted to do was have one of these tight ends from the first four rounds uh, we get great win rates when we have those guys there and going back to this specific construction that i'm looking at looking at uh, zero running back we have all of the emphasis over the past three years of how running back heavy everything has been however because wide receivers require an extra position in this format and because wide receivers score more points through that flex range and because you really need so many of them you need more top guys than people realize it's still a successful approach if you go at it hardcore enough so you throw the numbers in you get your wide receiver six right in the first eight rounds so six guys six of these stars you get one of the top tight ends you wait on QB and the win percentage during this 2017 to 2019 time period, again, a time period that is looked at. And I think realistically, so factually, so in many ways, this time period that's considered to be running back heavy, and you still see a 13.9% win rate and a top six percentage above 63%. Now, one of the things we have to look at here is that not a lot of people are actually using this. It's not a popular technique. So we want to be aware of the fact that Perhaps this isn't going to work in the future. It's not necessarily going to work in all seasons. I talked about the fact that if we can get that running back one, if we can get one of those stars to really anchor the team, it's going to be more consistent for us year to year. But this approach has worked for me before. The RCE suggests that it works in general. And being out of position to draft one of those big time running backs, I don't want to chase points. I want to give myself a different type of, of approach that perhaps balances out this advantage that the other owners have or those top owners have. I think you've got to look at it from that perspective when you're in the back half and make sure you do something that gives you your own type of competitive advantage. 
something to jump into now and have a look at i know everyone <laughs> we all love to watch quarterbacks play in the nfl but uh, drafting it can you know there is a clear advantage there we've discussed it a few times on the show sean over the the last year or so but mike you've written uh, a training program that allows users to experiment with different roster constructions uh, what does uh, that say overall about the the qb window and, and how do you play it uh, on drafting quarterbacks in general yeah, so I, I've been working for really a couple of years on sort of systematizing a lot of this roster construction logic, um, you know, being able to uh, use what we've learned from the roster construction explorer, um, just from experience, you know, I, um, and seeing if I can just to have a program make those decisions on roster construction, you know, it's, it's I'm leaving aside picking the right players. And uh, one thing that, uh, you know, it consistently does, I actually ran this program to do almost all of my um, best ball tens last year. And uh, I was just looking at the teams from last year, which did, which generated a profit despite not using any rankings. Most of the time they used ADP and they used this roster construction logic and almost 100% of them, actually 100% of them where I didn't make a mistake in timeout. All of the quarterbacks were taken um, seventh round at the earliest and all but uh, maybe a dozen across 50 teams uh, were taken by the 12th round. So in that QB window that um, Sean has talked about and written about several times, um, this was I didn't explicitly tell it to do this. This was just looking at what is the optimal pick based on past experience, based on the roster, based on what's available on the board. And, um, and, and you can just see it playing out here. Um, it's it's really the I mean, the best way to go. I mean, it, it's very compelling. The numbers on early quarterbacks. I mean, I, I opened up with the uh, stats for the FFPC about it. But taking, you know, the first one, two, three, four quarterbacks uh, by ADP who end up going, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, or sometimes even as early as the second, um, like Lamar Jackson this year, uh, it just isn't a successful strategy. Um, There's not enough differentiation, I think, between quarterbacks. There are always players who emerge or have unexpectedly great years in that round seven to 12 range. And if you're ignoring that range, um, you're you're just you're not going to catch that lightning in a bottle. Um, it's better to uh, take a couple of shots, uh, you know, two or th- uh, you know, often three quarterbacks in that range. It gives you more opportunity to hit them, and you're also saving the opportunity cost um, to get those strong wide receivers in rounds three through six, or um, you know, the running back in the second round. Um, and it's really, I mean, just consistently, um, like this program I've written and, but also just looking at the, the actual leagues, um, over the past five plus years, it's really something that plays out over and over and over again. You can see it's like, this is where you go for quarterback until everyone starts drafting differently. And, you know, then we can throw this information away. Um, it's going to continue to be the way to go. And it's going to be how I draft this year and year as well. Mike, one of the things that I am always intrigued by with this format is that two quarterback constructions have a much better win rate than three quarterback constructions overall. But if you take those three quarterbacks where you should take them, so obviously you want to really wait for that first one, but then you want to take the third QB in the range where the QBs are still scoring a lot of points are still likely to filter into your lineup some and give you that upside. 
the win rate actually jumps above 12%. The top six percentage goes over 57%. And so, I mean, I really like this if you're playing to try and get in that top half. Do you like to do the three QB in the best ball times? We talked about how in FFPC, you really want to have those three QBs. You, you almost definitely have to have that as your approach. Overall, it doesn't seem to be the construction that you want to go with in best ball tens. But does your uh, does your program pull three QBs in for you sometimes, knowing kind of how they perform when you get those guys in the window? Sometimes, um, though, I will say two quarterbacks is much more common. Um, you know, something like two quarterbacks from rounds um, eight to ten. Uh, so two, you know, stronger guys. Um, but not at the very high end. I think a lot of it is related to what you have been able to do with tight end up until that point. I mean, this is all, you know, sort of, there's a lot of working backwards and piecing things together here, but, um, you know, rounds uh, sort of eight through, uh, you know, 12, uh, very similar to the QB window or um, also tend to be where you find some of the breakout tight ends. Uh, we know about the value of uh, the early guys, but uh, there's this there's this area of the draft where you know we always have one or two guys um, emerge and uh, you know put up uh, really kind of league winning numbers. And um, I like to have some exposure in that area. And if I haven't had if I haven't got one of the early guys, I'm probably taking trying to take at least two tight ends in that range. And then the third one a little bit later, and that gets in the way of three quarterbacks. I mean, you, you can't, you can't take three tight ends and three quarterbacks within that range effectively. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times what I will do is I'll push the quarterbacks up um, because you're getting, you are getting two stronger quarterbacks, you know, sort of higher ranked relative to everybody else. Um, whereas tight ends, you're sort of middle of the pack already by say round eight. And, um, you know, so I'll go with the two quarterbacks there and then maybe the three tight ends um, a little bit later. That's probably much more common. If I do lock in the, uh, you know, the Kittle or the Kelsey this year, um, I may, uh, you know, hold off uh, or I may go with the three quarterbacks and start slightly later on QB2 or QB3 uh, because I have room to do that. Uh, You know, wide receiver, and running back, there are always some gems in that range, but there typically aren't guys that I really am regretting passing on through my drafts. So it's really that's kind of the quarterback and tight end zone together uh, for me and um, really only quarterback uh, or mostly quarterback if I got one of those early tight ends. Those are some good points. I, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I was going to when I was looking at the MFL 10 of death here the Ertz pick was a little bit of a tricky pick for me. You mentioned those wide receivers coming back in the third round. I wanted that tight end because I thought the wide receiver position was going to be flatter. As you mentioned, Ridley was really the guy that I wanted in the fourth round. So it was going to be a very different, difficult pick for me between Ridley and Ertz for, for that fourth round pick there. Unfortunately, Ridley was taken in some ways that made it easier. Ertz is the guy there. But if I had taken the four wide receivers to start, then as you mentioned, there's this second sort of tight end window to where if you wait long enough and then get several guys in that tight end window that you just discussed, that's the other sort of key way to play tight end where you can have those very good win rates there. So uh, certainly interesting information, I think, in terms of 
looking at the positions and not just that position in isolation, but how it's going to fit in with some of the other things you're doing, some of the other positions and your overall roster construction. So definitely cool information for us there. Yeah, really good stuff. And obviously that is going to get us towards the end of the, the first show of the week. We're doing two basketball shows this week and Mike has just provided us a, a lot of uh, good knowledge, a lot of good information, and it's going to be the exact same as we drop the show later in the week. So make sure you don't miss out on that if you have enjoyed today's show. If you have enjoyed today's show and you've enjoyed the talk about the, the roster construction app and things like that there, you can always sign up and get yourself 10% off a one-year Rotovis subscription as a loyal podcast listener. All you have to do is apply the code 2020 RV Radio at checkout or by going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. As always, finishing up the show, I would urge you to drop us a written and review on your favorite podcast app. It does help us a lot and it just takes a moment of your time. So do appreciate each and every one of those. For the guys and Garrett's who did the written review over the last couple of weeks, I have been in touch with all the winners uh, off those one month Rotaviz subscriptions. So uh, get in touch if you haven't already. I've uh, emailed or reached out on Twitter to all of those. And uh, until we're back later in the week with another best ball show, that's going to do it for today's edition. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Mr. Sean Siegel. And our special guest today was Mike Beers. You can follow on Twitter at Beerswater. Until we're back with the second show later in the week, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.